0: hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. And hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well,
1: thank you for joining us today and uh, being here. <clears throat> I saw Chris Hunter just a second ago. Chris, uh, he, Chris is in the back. He was not in here during those introductions, but Chris is our youth pastor, and he is head of our youth ministries. He's the deacon of youth ministries, so I, I just wanted to uh, point him out here. He is the, uh, he's really the good-looking one on the staff, is just kind of how we refer to him. Um, I, I'm the wise one, I, I think, on the staff, and uh, yeah, anyway, Stephen's talented, uh, Chris is the uh, good-looking one, and uh, Dave is the one that who just does everything and keeps everything running. So, if you have noticed, our kids' ministry program, uh, we have opened up our new uh, children's remodel. Uh, Dave almost did 100% of that himself, probably 90 to 95% was him, and it is absolutely amazing. Make sure you walk through that and see where our new children's ministry uh, is going to be. And I want to thank Chuck Bell for coming up here. He is the president of our elder team, and he has done some great things with leading our elder team, and I'm just thrilled about the direction that we are headed. All right, with that said, let's get into the message here today. We are in a series of messages called God Is. The purpose of the series of messages is to know God. We want to know him. God is the answer to your greatest needs that you will ever have in life. And it is imperative that we know him more than just knowing about him, that we know him on an intimate level, that we know him relationally. God desires us to know him. In fact, it says in the book of John, Jesus says this, and this is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God and Yeshua, that's Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew, the Messiah, the one you sent. God's greatest desire for his people is that we know him, we walk with him, we have closeness with him, that we have intimacy with him. The best way to get to know him is to learn about him through his word. God is revealed in his word as a very complex God. He does not use one name to define himself. He uses multiple names to define himself because he is so complex. He is unknowable by one name, so he has to give us multiple attributes to help us really understand who he is. The way I think about it is like this, that God is like holding up a diamond. If you hold up a diamond and you turn that diamond, the light will be reflected in multiple different ways there are so many facets of a diamond and the the look of it changes as that rotates and you're looking through it in the same way God is like that diamond you can't just look at him in one way you have to look at him from multiple angles to truly understand who God is We have seen that names in the biblical culture meant something very, very important. Names meant something, and they defined a person's character. They defined a person's attributes. They really defined who a person was. In our culture today, we don't use names the same way. Names really have very little meaning today. In fact, most people don't give thought to names today. They just like the way that it sounds. And so they'll pick a name, but it's based upon nothing. It's not like the way that it was in biblical times. In fact, I remember reading a story out of the Reader's Digest, and I don't know if you know, some of you young people may not even know what Reader's Digest is. It's kind of lost some sense of uh, of popularity over the years. It's not as common today, but I remember reading a Reader's Digest story. It was probably 15 years ago that I read this, and the story, the title of the story was titled Fruit Stand. And I remember reading that story and it just describes the view of our society when it comes to names here today. In the end of the 1960s, the early 1970s, the hippie movement of the 60s was beginning to to evolve. The way that it was evolving is a lot of those that were in the hippie movement now were ready to start having children of their own. Most of the hippie movement located in California began to relocate through California along the coast. Many of them ended up in Santa Cruz where this story was reported. In Santa Cruz, a lot of these people of the hippie movement began to name children. They had children, they started to have children, and they would name children, but they wouldn't name them common names such as Melissa or Brett or Sarah or William, anything common like that. Oh no, these people would start to name their children names such as Moonbeam and Aquarius and Saffron and Arlo. And pretty soon, little Moonbeam and Aquarius and Saffron and Arlo found their way into the public schools. In kindergarten, when they arrived at the public schools, the teachers were encountered encountered, uh, these children with all of these names that were not common, names that they were not used to. One particular year, as kindergarten was starting, little children were being sent to school. As the little children were sent to school, this was the late 60s, early 70s, it was very different from today. They didn't have the computer systems and the protocols we have today, so most often, parents would put their little children on the school bus and then they would send them off to school where the teachers would meet them for the very first time. The kids getting off the school bus would go to their classes and that's when this kindergarten teacher met a little boy by the name of Fruit Stand. Well, they, this teacher encountering fruit stand thought even for that day, this was really way out there. This was an odd name that day. When parents would put their children on the bus and send them to school, they were required to take a name tag, fill out the name of the child, pin it to the child, so when the child got there, they would know the name of the child. Well, the teachers saw the name Fruit Stand, and they didn't want to react. They didn't want to to make Little Fruit Stand feel uncomfortable, so they wanted to make sure Little Fruit Stand uh, fit in. So throughout the day, they would do their very best to make him feel comfortable, Would you like to play with the books fruit stand? Would you like a snack fruit stand? Would you like to draw on some paper fruit stand? All the while, Little Fruit Stand never answered anything. He just kept his mouth shut and just let the day go on. By the end of the day, the teachers, to be honest, really didn't have a problem with the name. In fact, it felt very common by the end of the day. It was as common as Purple Haze and Sunflower's name were by the end of the day. After the day was over, the teacher took the students out to the area where they were gonna get on the bus. The teacher knelt down next to Little Fruit Stand and said, okay, Fruit Stand, do you know which bus you ride? Do you know where your stop is going to be? Well, Little Fruit Stand didn't say a word. Very, not uh, not uncommon, He he seemed either very shy or he was just quiet, that's common for little kindergartners on the first day of school. So when she said, do you know where your bus stop is, fruit stand, he didn't answer a word. Well, the practice of the day was that you would take the name tag, and on the back of the name tag, the parent would write the name of the bus stop that they were supposed to get off on. So little fruit stand, they turned the name tag over to find the words Anthony written on it. (laughs) All day long, they had called him by the name of the bus stop rather than his name. In that day, and in our day, names are arbitrary. <laughs> names don't really have a lot of meaning. In fact, you can't assume anything about names today. But again, that's not the way it was in biblical times. Every person's name in the biblical times really had a deeper meaning. It describes something about their nature. It describes something about their character, either bad or bad. Or good, it describes something about them. God does not have arbitrary names. God's name is not Bill or George or Fred. God's names mean something. They communicate something. They give us a way that we can relate to him, interact with him, and have relationship with him. God has revealed his nature and his character and his relationship status to us through the use of his names. Knowing God's names define our relationship with him. The better we know him, the closer we grow to him. And so we are on a journey through this series of God is messages just to know him deeper and have our relationship grow with him closer. The closer you grow to God, the more you come to understand that he alone is the answer to your greatest needs. We started week one with learning that he is Elohim, the very first words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word is Elohim. In Hebrew, the word Elohim means creator. He is the creator God. Now, the reason this would matter to you is that he becomes then the answer for our need for a purpose in life. God has created you for a purpose He's created you on purpose. You were not an accident. You were not a mistake. God created you with a sense of purpose. And finding the purpose that God has for your life is so, so critically important. Week two, we learn that God is Yahweh. Out of the book of Exodus, when he is encountering Moses, and Moses says, what is your name? What should I tell the people your name is? Who should I tell them sent me? And he says, my name is I Am. In Hebrew, it is He, -he, or we translate that as Yahweh. The understanding of Yahweh is that he is the promise-keeping God. He is the covenant-keeping God. He keeps his word. He does not break his word. And you can count on that as truth and a fact. I always like to point back to the Old Testament and look at the prophecies given by God in the Old Testament 4,000, 3,000, 2,000, 1,000 years before Jesus was on the scene. The prophecies that God gave that were fulfilled to the letter. Mathematically, it's an impossibility. And it points to the proof of who God is. God is a promise-keeping God. If God said it, he will fulfill it. If he said it, it is true. Whether that is about you Or whether that is about what's going to happen in the future, whatever God says, he will fulfill. He is a promise-keeping God. He is the answer as the promise-keeping God for my need for security. Last week we learned that God is Adonai. And the word Adonai means Lord and Master or Ruler or Master. He is King of Kings and he is Lord of Lords. And so the relationship with him progresses. He's not just creator. He's not just promise keeper. He is now also my Lord and my master. What he's calling for in our lives is for us to surrender to him and submit our hearts to him. No longer does he want us calling the shots on our own. He wants us to come to him in full submission and full surrender. He is the answer to the need that I have in my life for significance. When I surrender to God as my master, I've established him as the priority of my life. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all these things will be added to you. God wants to be the priority. He is your creator. He is the promise keeper. But he's also your priority. He is to be the Lord and master of your life. Instead of keeping him at arm's length, instead of trying to run your life yourself, you submit yourself and say, God, I will follow you as my master. Once you come to know him in that way, then God starts to reveal himself in a deeper way. Which brings us to today's message, which is this, God is greater than fill in the blank. God is greater than anything you could throw up there. Let's pray as we begin, as we look to see God as our El Shaddai. Let's pray. Father, help us now to hear from you. that. May these not be my words, but your words. Be our teacher. Speak to every heart here the way that only you can, by the power of your spirit. Help us, Lord, to know you in a deeper way. Help us to be discontent about the times in our lives when we have put you on the shelf or we have put you into the, into the uh, recesses of our lives Help us, Lord, to move you into the center of life, submitting to you as Lord, letting you be king of kings and Lord of lords over us. Father, lead us today. There are some people today that are in situations where they are overwhelmed. And this message, knowing that you are greater than whatever they face, is so very important. I pray, Lord, that you would bring comfort and peace, encouragement and conviction as we open your word now. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, God is going to reveal himself today by the name El Shaddai, the one whom I could trust and lean on for strength no matter what I face in my life. He is an ever-present help in my life. That is what El Shaddai will be. As El Shaddai, God is the answer to my need for the power to be able to live life and do life. In the Bible, in the Old Testament specifically, El Shaddai is used 48 times. Um, Well, I'm sorry, Shaddai is used 48 times. El Shaddai is used seven times. Put all of those together, you've got 55 times that it is being referenced in the Bible. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, is the first time that this encounter of El Shaddai happened. It says this, When Abram was 99 years old, Adonai appeared to Abram, and he said to him, I am El Shaddai. Continually walk before me, and you will be blameless. So what is El Shaddai? Well, it's used again, Genesis 28, 3. Now may El Shaddai bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you so that you will become an assembly of peoples. Genesis thirty-five, eleven. God also said to him, I am El Shaddai. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and an assembly of nations will come from you. From your loins will come forth kings. As El Shaddai God is the answer to the need that I have for the power to be able to go through life and do life and experience life. The power just to survive everyday life. We live in a crazy world, and it just seems to be getting crazier by the moment. The things that are happening in our government, the things that are happening in our society, are crazier and crazier. But it doesn't stop at our borders. This is around the world. The craziness is growing exponentially. Life seems to be a constant struggle. Many people today feel powerless What can I possibly do? How can I possibly go through this? There's nothing I can do. I am powerless in everything that I am facing. I am powerless or I am victimized over these challenging circumstances and situations. The good news is that God makes his power available to you and I here today. Now, most of us do not question God's power. We know God is powerful. The question for most of us becomes this, is God's power actually available to me? If so, how do I get it? We've got to come to know God as El Shaddai to be able to tap into the power of God that he provides for us today. Well, let me define the term El Shaddai for you, just to get a little bit of a clearer picture. Now, it's broken down into three components to understand as we understand El Shaddai. The first component that we are going to look at is the word El. The word El, the first two letters you've noticed of the word Elohim. The word El just means God who is powerful, almighty. God who is the Elohim, the creator, he is God. That's the word El. And then you have the word shadu, which the word shadu means mountain or mighty or immovable. So now we've got God being God, creator, powerful, who is also immovable. The God who is mighty, the God who is a mountain, the God who has strength. But that word, is also kind of softened with the third component of the definition, which is the word in Hebrew, shad, which actually means breast. And it refers to nourishing and dependence. And the picture of this is just a mother's feeding and nurturing and taking care of a child. A child, when it is born is completely dependent upon the mother for everything in life. A child, when it is born, could not survive on its own. If you took a newborn infant and put that infant out into a field in the middle of Wyoming, that child would die. The child needs mom, nourishment, protection, love, security, and safety. Do you know that Jesus said... Unless you become like one of these little children, you will not even enter the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, unless you become like one of these little children. Jesus had pulled a little child up on his lap and was looking at this child. The child, the word that is used in Greek probably describes about a three-year-old. It's the same picture. And that three-year-old, you may think, well, they're innocent and they're trusting and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're just kind. And if you've been around a three-year-old, you know that's not true in the least. They're not any of that. What they are is completely dependent upon their parents for everything in life. Jesus says, unless you become dependent like them, you will never see the kingdom of heaven. Now, most of us as adults, we spend all of our lives not being dependent. We want to be independent. I can do it myself. I can tie my shoes myself. I can put my coat on myself. I can make decisions in my life myself. I don't need anyone. I can do it all. God says, no, you can't. You need me for everything. As soon as you realize that you're dependent upon me, we will start to have a right relationship. So this definition of who God is, El Shaddai, Shaddai meaning the one who nourishes, El Shaddai, the mighty God, the almighty God who nourishes and supplies, El Shaddai, the living God who supplies in abundance every need, that is who God is. That's who he's describing himself as. The word El Shaddai then literally can mean this, he is the mighty, powerful, immovable God who cares, nurtures, and protects his people. He is the one on whom we depend for life and sustenance. He connects with us so that we don't have to remain powerless as we go through life. So God becomes for us creator. He is for us covenant keeper, promise keeper. He is Lord and master. He is also the almighty, nourishing, protecting one who we can be dependent upon for the very need of life. Well, there are two quick things, and I promise that they will be quick, that we are going to look at today when it comes to being God, our El Shaddai. You know, I just it just struck me as I said those words. I should never promise you ever that it's going to be quick. I should never say that. I'm going to try to make it quick, okay? We'll try to do that. Two things about El Shaddai that I want you to understand about his power in our lives. Number one, God's power is available to every believer. We have to tap into God's power in order to Experience that we have to tap into God's power in order to be able to do life. There are too many things in life that we have just said, "God, I don't need you. I will do it myself." So I have a little illustration here. I have my handy little uh, my handy little drill, and this drill. I want to. I want you to picture it this way. If I had a fence and part of the fence had blown down, and I needed to put some of the panels back up uh, on the fence, some of the boards back up on the fence, and I went over to do that, and I tried to do it, but there's a problem. I don't have a battery, so I, I'm trying. I'm hitting it as hard as I can with the drill, and it's not working. And I put the drill bit in the screw and I just start turning the drill like this, but it's just not working because there's, there's too much play in the bit, it's not going to go anywhere. Well, that's how many of us att- attempt to handle life. I can't tell you how many people who have marriage problems who say, you know what, we can fix it ourselves. We will try hard. We will put the effort in, and it's like using a drill with no battery, and so that's how they're trying to fix their marriage. They're, they're trying to do this number in their marriage, and it never works because they are lacking the power source and the power supply. There are people that are dealing with addictions. And so how do they deal with their addictions? Well, they try to white-knuckle their way through the addiction. I can get through this. I can do it. I can willpower myself myself enough to kick this drug habit, to kick this alcohol habit, to kick this pornography habit. I can just white-knuckle it, and I know I can fix it myself. I don't need anything. There are too many people that are trying to recover from a tragedy. They've lost a loved one. They've had a cancer diagnosis. They've had a different health diagnosis. They've gone through a painful divorce. They've gone through a painful situation. It's a tragedy, and the way they're attempting to handle the tragedy is they're going to they're hold on tight. They're going to white-knuckle it, and they're just going to try to, to twist the drill and make sure it works themselves. There are too many people that are trying to lead other people to salvation, without the power of God supplying what they need. There are too many people trying to speak for God without the power of God behind them, helping them with everything they need. There are too many parents trying to nurture and raise children without the power of God supplying them everything that they need. Too many people that are trying to overcome anxiety and depression. Instead of doing it with God, they're trying to do it on their own, trying to fix the problem themselves. And the whole time, we have to realize that the power of God becomes available to every person. And when you start tapping into the power of God, you have the necessary strength to be able to face whatever God brings your way. The power of God is available to every believer. It's available to the ones who face persecution. It's available to the ones who are facing temptations. It's available to the ones that have been offended. It's available to the ones that need to forgive someone else. It is available to the ones who say I want to work at my job as unto the Lord, but without the power of God backing that up, there is absolutely nothing that we can accomplish. God's power is available. This is why I believe Paul would say things like this in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. Paul's goal was to know the power of God. Now, Paul, just so you know, a little background of Paul, Paul was a brilliant man. You can tell it in his writings. Paul was absolutely brilliant. Paul got insights that other people would never get. Paul was trained in a very strict rabbinical training. He had a rabbi who he followed. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was super intelligent. This guy could have been at any Ivy League school among us today. He was just that smart. Paul could have easily said, God, I don't need you. I already know it. I have insights that are incredible. God, I I can do this. I'll be your representative. I don't really need your help. I can handle it. But that was not Paul's approach. This brilliant man named Paul wanted more than anything just to know the power of God. Philippians 3.10, it says this, my aim, Paul says, is to know God, to know him, to know Jesus, and the power of his resurrection. I want to know, I want to experience that power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same kind of power at work in my life to be able to handle whatever it is that I'm going to go through. I want to know his power, the power of his resurrection, and the sharing of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Sadly, we have too many powerless Christians who are fighting battles without the power of God, being easily defeated because they're not tapped into the power that God provides. That was Paul's prayer for the early church. It was got Paul's prayer. I would think, I would make the assumption it would be his prayer for the church today because the church in America today has become utterly powerless because we have turned off the supply that God offers. In Ephesians 3, Paul says exactly that when he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What does that mean? It means I pray that your heart it's like your eyes open. You, you, I pray that you get it. Now, now, think about how that connects with Adonai. Adonai, master and ruler, I submit my heart to him. That's the eyes of my heart being opened when I finally come to the point where I submit my heart to him. I pray that your eyes may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the richness of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is his exceedingly great power toward us who keep trusting him? So, so what is he saying? Here's how you tap into the power is what he's saying. You tap into the power by submitting your heart to the Lord, letting him be ruler and master over your heart and over your life. Let him open up the eyes of your heart. When you do that, you will start to really realize the richness of God, the glorious inheritance that God provides, and you will also start to experience that exceedingly great power that is given to the people who actually trust him. So that becomes that question, do you actually trust him? When you trust him, and when your heart is surrendered to him, You can experience the power of God by the Holy Spirit flowing through you in miraculous ways. How can you heal your marriage? Because the power of God is at work and we trust him to help us. How do you handle that addiction? Well, I've got to lean on the power of God because I can't do it in my own strength. And so God, I will surrender my heart to you and I will let you be in charge. I will tap into your power to be able to face this addiction how do you handle that job, those finances, that, that struggle in your life? God, I will, I will tap into your power and let you just unleash that power. How does it happen? It happens when I trust you. Look what he says. His exceedingly great power toward us who keep trusting him, in keeping with the working of his mighty strength. This power... This same power he exercised in the Messiah when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heaven. Think about that power. God raised Jesus from the dead after he had been laying in the tomb for three days. You ever heard of that before? Has that ever happened in the history of the world where a person could do that? No. It is the power of God to bring someone back after three days dead. That same power, Paul says, is the same power working in you. Not only is that, it's the same power that rose him into heaven to the right hand of God. Think about if you were one of those disciples in the book of Acts who was standing on the Mount of Olives with Jesus, and then all of a sudden you saw him start ascending into heaven. Would you think that is crazy, that is power? And Paul says that's the same power at work in you. The power of God is available to every believer. We just have to tap into it. And we tap into it by recognizing him as Adonai, And we recognize it by trusting him in every step of life. Instead of saying, God, I'll handle this on my own, we say, God, it's yours. The psalmist in Psalm 121 recognized this as well. The psalmist said this, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Does it come from the government? I won't comment any further than that. Does it come from corporations? Does it come from any other source? Where does my help come from? It helped, my help comes from Adonai, King of kings, Lord of lords, master and ruler, maker of heaven and earth, Elohim. He will not let your foot slip. Your keeper, that really is the El Shaddai, your keeper, your protector, your nourisher, the mighty God, he will not slumber. Behold, the keeper of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Adonai is your keeper. Adonai is your shadow at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Adonai will protect you from all evil. He will guard your life. Those are El Shaddai. Adonai will watch over your coming and your going from this time forth and forevermore. The power of God is available to every believer. Number two, and we'll close with this, God's power is greater than your situation. You must admit that God is greater than your situation and you must trust him and let him be greater than your situation. And this is where it's hard for most of us because we have a hard time just getting out of the way and letting God be God. He is greater than every situation that I could possibly have. Let me give you one example out of the Bible of this. It's in the book of Genesis. It is a person by the name of Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham, and Sarai, whose name was changed to Sarah. They were going to be the father of a multitude. They were going to have so many descendants that you could look up in the, in the sky and all of the stars. You can't even count the number. That's how many descendants you're going to have Abraham. Abraham. Go to the seashore, count, try to count the number of grains of sand on the seashore. That's how many descendants you're going to have. You can't possibly count them all. God had promised them something supernatural. You're going to have a child. And out of this child is going to come this incredible nation. Here's the problem. Sarah was barren. She could not have any children. They tried and tried. Some of you have been there. Tried and tried, could not have any children. So what did they decide to do? Well, God, you had promised this. It's not happening. We had better try to manufacture it on our own. We better try to fix it on our own because you're not coming through and we can't trust you. So what did they do? Well, Sarah said to Abraham, you go into my, uh, have have a physical relationship with my maid and go ahead and have a child that way. And obviously, that's the way God is going to fix it. We're going to do it on our own strength. We don't need God. We can manufacture the promise on our own. Well, what happened, what they had said would happen, happened, and that is she, had, she got pregnant. Gave birth to a son that was his son, not Sarah's son, and his name was Ishmael. By the way, Ishmael would become basically the father of the Arab nations who would war with Israel all of the rest of the Old Testament and the Arab nations would then keep warring with Israel as they would turn into the Muslim nations that we know today. It was a constant thorn in the side of Israel because they did not trust God. God basically said to them, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why aren't you trusting me? Have I ever been unfaithful? I've always kept my word. It may just not be in your timing, but it is in my timing. Well, Sarah would have a child with Abraham. It would be a miraculous thing, and they would have the child Isaac, who would again lead the lineage of the people of God, of Israel. God's power was greater than her situation of being barren, They just weren't willing to wait and trust for God to fulfill his promise that was given. See, that becomes an illustration of most of our lives. God's power is greater than whatever it is that I'm facing. I just won't wait on him for him to come through. I'll just do it myself. I'll white knuckle my way through this. I will step in and fix it. I am here to save the day and it just fails and falls flat on its face because I haven't tapped into the power of God, and I haven't realized that God is greater than my situation. What it takes is humbling myself, opening up my hands, and saying, God, it's yours. And I don't know how it's gonna work, and I don't know what you're going to do, but I will trust you. I will not lean on my own strength and my own understanding. I will tap into you you are the battery, you are the source of everything in my life. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians twelve nine. Paul said, but God said to me, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Messiah may dwell in me. What is that a picture of? It's a picture of a man who gets on his knees and says, God, I can't fix this. I don't even know how to fix this. God, you're in control of this. I will just open my hands to you and say, God, I trust you. You or else should I. You are the almighty God, the powerful God, the one who desires dependence from me, the one who nourishes and protects, and I can put my trust in you because you are greater than I could ever be. Isaiah 41.10, it says, fear not. God says, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So. Just to close this out, God's power is greater than your pain. That pain could be loss, it could be death, it could be tragedy, it could be divorce, it could be abuse, it could be rejection, it could be abandonment, it could be hurt. God's power is greater than your pain. God's power is greater than your addiction. You may be struggling with pornography you may be struggling with alcohol. You may be struggling with, uh, with drugs. You may be struggling with gambling. You may be struggling with just a self-centered addiction. God's power is greater than your addiction. God's power is greater, by the way, than your failure. You could have failed immensely multiple times. God's power to forgive is greater than your failure that you keep hanging on to. Do you know that God's power also along with that is greater than your ability to hold a grudge? His power is greater than your ability to be bitter and unforgiving? That he can help you forgive when you finally say, God, I will trust him. Too many people that say, I will never forgive that person for what they did, when God says, no, you have to, I need you to, it's imperative that you do this. God's power is greater than your temptations. Temptations happen all the time. We are all tempted in every way. Jesus himself was tempted in every way, yet without sin. His power is greater than any temptation that you will face, which means you can battle against the temptations with the power of God. If you're trying to battle temptations without tapping into the power of God, you will fail. If you battle temptations under the power of God, you have everything you need to succeed. Why do we fail? Because we don't tap into the power of God. God's power is greater than your finances. I know some of you are in financial troubles. You have financial stresses. God's power is greater than your finances. God's power is greater than your marriage problems. The marriage problems you face are overcomable when you tap into the power of God. God's power is greater than your wayward child. God's power is greater than that boss who's tough to work with. I'm not saying that To Stephen, for me, it's greater than any of the rest of your bosses. Yes. God's power is greater than any situation that you will face in life. He is our El Shaddai. When you come to know God as Elohim creator, promise-keeping, covenant-keeping Yahweh, Lord and master, king of kings, the ruler of my life, Adonai, you're now ready to start knowing him as El Shaddai, almighty God, immovable God, powerful God who nurtures and cares and causes us to be dependent upon him for every part of life. Do you know that God? Multiple names of God. Not multiple people, but multiple names to describe an incomprehensibly unknowable God, but he gives us a glimpse of who he is in part. Someday we'll get to know him in full. Do you know God like that? Is he your El should I? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you come to us as the Almighty, immovable, powerful God who cares and nurtures and loves your creation. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know you in that way, where you are El Shaddai. Not only are you the creator, your Elohim, not only are you covenant keeper, your Yahweh, not only are you Lord and master as Adonai, but you are the powerful, caring, immovable God that we can know as El Shaddai. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room would know you like that, that we would tap into the power of God. We know you are powerful, but help us to realize that through you, through your Holy Spirit, that we can have that same power. Paul's desire was to know that power. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead. The same power who caused you to ascend into heaven is the same power that works within us by your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that we would be discontent with being powerless and wimpy Christians and that we would be endued with your power, the power from on high that Jesus promised in Acts 1. Help us to experience that power for any situation and anything that we are going through today. Help us to get on our knees before you, to open our hands to you, and say, God, I will trust you wherever you lead. I pray for those here today who don't know you, who have never developed a personal relationship with you, who have never said to you, Jesus, please come into my heart and come into my life and help me to to know you. For them, Lord, I pray that it would be just a simple prayer. Jesus, please forgive me. I am sorry for the sins and the failings of my life, and I want a relationship with you. Help me to know the almighty God, the powerful God, the creator God, the Lord and master God. Lord, if anybody is desiring and willing to pray that I pray that you would just connect with them and realize that now because of you coming into their lives they can experience salvation but it doesn't stop there Lord it's time to start growing and becoming all that you've created us to be so Lord help us to do so thank you for meeting with us today thank you for the privilege of being able to open your word And now as we prepare to leave, Lord, help us to leave with a mission-minded focus. That as we leave, we are going into this mission field of Gillette to make a difference. Please, Lord, help us to do so. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com and hit the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. God bless you guys and have a great day.